Brethren, uh, we are living in discouraging times. I, I, I think about uh, some of the things that are going on. We've talked about that recently. We look at the news, and of course, how many years have we said what the news brings uh, is, is quite uh, discouraging. But as we see the things going on around us, uh, it, is in, it is incredibly discouraging. Even if it's a person who, who is looking at the, the situation with, say, let's just pick one thing, oil. Uh, uh, you know, you've, we've got folks that are really upset because all this is going on, and will this impact oil uh, being able to get to my car uh, eventually uh, in, in, by means of, of gasoline? And if we had just continued producing like we should be, and others are saying, no, we're producing as much as we've ever done, but all this, you know, then things, things would be okay despite what's going on over there. And then uh, as we, uh, so that, that's one take that people have and, and others uh, say in terms of discouraging times, if we don't get a handle on this oil situation, climate change is going to cause the whole world to, to go down the tubes in, in whatever the date is. Um, so we've got, we've got that going on. We've got uh, the, the reality of what's happening, the suffering that, that's going on in the Middle East and in the areas uh, of uh, the Gaza, uh, Gaza Strip there with, with all that's, that's going on there. And uh, there's so many uh, elements going on. So in, in that, I want to ask a question today uh, that uh, relates to actually what we heard in the opening prayer. If, uh, if, uh, and we'll reflect on that here in just a second. What encourages you? What encourages you? How are you best encouraged? Webster's uh, definition of, 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 of encouragement or to be encouraged uh, is, is to inspire with courage. Uh, what inspires you with courage? What uh, cheers you up? A synonym uh, could be what heartens you. What heartens us? H-E-A-R-T-E-N. Biblically, uh, for definitions of, in, of encourage, as we look at Vine's expository, uh, it can mean, encourage can mean to urge forward. What, what urges you and me forward? Vine states with the, with the term, actual, the actual noun, encouragement, uh, paraclesis, it's, it can be a calling, a, a calling to one's aid. Uh, it's akin to uh, paraclesis is akin to parakaleo, which means to beseech or exhort or encourage or comfort. And we think, okay, exhort or comfort, and Vines in another location when it talks about that, exhort is, is very much prospective in terms of looking forward. It has a for, forward nature to it, encouraging the person yeah, as, as you go forward, comfort has the retrospective element to it of, of you know, say, for instance, a person's in the middle of a trial, uh, encouraging that person uh, as a result of the trial that he or she's facing. Uh, so there's, there is a, a forward element to it, a, 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 a retrospective element to it. Uh, we even have the term parakletos, which is, uh, can, can be translated advocate. But all I, I'm going to look at this, this whole big picture of that word. We're not going to go through today as we talk about this, this uh, 
concept of what encourages us uh, in, in, in separating all the different words and trying to get the, the nuance of each word. We're, we're talking about just this general, this general concept of encouragement. What, what encourages you? What, what encourages me? How good are you, how good am I at encouraging others? Does, does God encourage you? In the, in the opening prayer, Mr. Beltran Jr. said, Thank you, Father, for encouraging us in the tough times. And he asked uh, that God would, would uh, encourage those who are going through sickness and various trials. D- does God encourage you? Do you feel, do you believe, uh, have you seen evidence of God encouraging you? Let's go to John 16 to begin. You know, sometimes by being... Uh, because it, it can be, again, uh, a prospective thing of, like we see in Hebrews 10 where it says, uh, is it Hebrews 10? I think it is. But exhort one another, as we, uh, and so much the more as we see the, the day approaching, you know, fire each other up, encourage one another. You can do it as, as we're moving towards uh, the kingdom of God that, that's ahead of us. Uh, but there's also that, that after thing of, of, of coming in and comforting. Sometimes by being comforted, we are cheered up, we are heartened, we are inspired with courage as a result of being comforted. Let's look at John 16. Jesus Christ uh, does a bit of both here. Uh, John 16, we'll start in verse 16. It's a passage that we will usually uh, uh, cover certain scriptures, verses around this. We usually don't go through the entire thing, uh, the, the entire passage on Passover, but we hit this, uh, this area uh, every year. John 16, verse 16. So here he is. He's in the middle of talking uh, with, the, with the disciples here, with, with just them. He says in verse 16, he says, A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me because I'm going to the Father. Then some of his disciples uh, said among themselves, well, what, what is this that he's saying to us? A little while and you'll not see me. And again, in a little while you will see me and, and be, because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what, what is this that he says? A little while. We don't know what he's saying. Uh, verse 19, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, to ask him, and he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? <laughs> I, I think I find that humorous. Anyway, uh, uh, and he continues a little uh, about what I said this a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Most assuredly, verse 20, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she's in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she's given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish uh, for joy that a human being has been born into the world. It is such a, an incredible thing when that has happened, despite the challenges of, of birthing that baby. But when that baby is born and, and you've got that baby and, and you're looking at that baby and that baby's looking up at you and, and you suckle that child and, and the connection is there, this child that you've carried uh, in, in your womb for the last nine months and, and what that experience is like, it's, it's amazing. And he, he, he's wanting them to, to think uh, in, in those terms. He says, verse 22, therefore, you now have sorrow, but, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Nobody's going to take that joy from you. 
Verse 23, and in that day you'll ask me, uh, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Verse 24, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Christ is giving them encouraging words here. Verse 25, these things I've spoken to you in figurative language, uh, speaking here of the, of the analogy of the, of the woman in labor. But he says, uh, but the time is coming when I'll no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you'll ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. Verse 28, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His, his disciples said to him, See, now you're, you're speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things, Christ, and, and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them. He said, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and has now come that you're going to be scattered. You're going to go through some, some difficult times here. And they did each to his own, and, and you'll leave me alone, and yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials and tests and, and very difficult times uh, you will experience. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, it's, a, it's another one of these passages where Jesus Christ is saying, you can do it. I have overcome the world. Uh, be of good cheer. Uh, and as I go to the Father, I will be there for you and I'll guide you and you'll understand and you'll be able to go forward. Does God encourage you? Do we, do we allow in our lives, do we allow him to encourage us? How does he encourage you, young people? How, how does God encourage you? How does he, how does he encourage us? How, have, how have, have we been encouraged these last several weeks, these last several days? How have we been encouraged within the last 24 hours? Do we look for it? Do we recognize it? And do we thank him for it? I'd like to look at a passage as we still are kind of in the introductory portion of the message here about that. It's one that we've turned to before, but I think it's, it's especially pertinent to what we want to cover today. Psalm 77, it's one of my favorite go-to psalms when I'm feeling a bit down and out, a bit strung out. I can't take it, too much pressure. No, it was just, you know, we have, we have some difficult times that we're facing. And especially sometimes when we, we sense what, whether it's a personal battle we're facing in our, in our own spiritual lives or, or if we're being attacked by someone or if there are such challenges that we can't get resolved and it, it's tearing us up inside. It, it could be a, a health issue that, that continues to linger and seems to be worsening, whatever it is. But I, I, I love this psalm just because of, of the mindset of, of showing us how to mentally go through the exercise of, of seeing how God encourages us, how he works through us. It, it's, a, it's a cooperative effort between what, what 
our lives, what's, ha- what's happening in our lives, and, and recognizing the, the, the stress and the tension and, and all the discomfort that we're feeling, and, and how God comes in as we allow him and as we seek him to soothe us. Uh, and in a sense, it's, it's more of a, not, not so much an exhortive uh, with, with exhortation, but more of a comfort uh, that, that does, in fact, encourage us. Let's read this psalm and, and reflect uh, on our own lives as, as we've battled certain things. Maybe, maybe you're in the middle of something right now that is, is really tearing, tearing you up. Verse, uh, verse 1 of Psalm 77, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. That's a, that's a powerful statement. Have, have you ever been in that situation where we're reaching out to God and, and we, we know who God is, we know what he's capable of doing, but this, this battle, this struggle, this, this test, this trial, uh, this, the pressure of something is so overwhelming that we, we have difficulty, you know, in a sense, giving that to God and taking that deep breath and saying it, it's going to be okay. We, we pray it and we think it and we know it, yet it still is just in there. It's spinning around and driving on us. We, try, we think about other things. And these kinds of things happen in the night, uh, for me anyway. Uh, they, happen, they happen in the night sometimes when we, we wake up and, and, it, and it hits us. But he says, my, my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God. I, I remembered God. I, I know who he is and, and who this being is and what he can do, and I was troubled. I, I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I, I cannot even speak. I've considered the days of old, the, the years of ancient times. I, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. And then, then he asks this question as, as he's in the throes of, of this challenge he's facing. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will, will he cease being favorable? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? What about his promises? Have, has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger toward me? Maybe sometimes it's something that we've done, that we've recognized we've done, and we're deeply humbled by it and deeply troubled by the impact of what we've done and how that's impacted others, how that's impacted us. Uh, you know, so has God, is God angry with me? And, and as a result, has he shut out uh, tender mercies that, he's extended, that he would have extended to me otherwise? Selah, you know, thinking about this, what, what is going on? And then, he, then we see this, this change. In a sense, uh, the person is saying, yes, my problem is my problem. I recognize it. it. It is what I'm facing. Verse 10, he says, and I said, this is my anguish. This is my anguish. This, this is my, my plight here. I recognize it. I'm calling it for what it is. But here's what I'm going to do as I go forward. Uh, yes, yes, these things are overwhelming to me. Yes, I don't necessarily see a way out uh, as, as I continue to battle this. But I'm going, to, I'm going to put my focus in the right way. I'm going to put my focus towards God, the one who, 
who has our backs, the one who is the one who is going to make this all work out for us as we submit ourselves to him, the one who loves us, the one who's merciful, the one who cares for me. Uh, He says, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I'm, I'm going to remember the works of the eternal. I'm going to start going through that in my mind, all the experiences that we see in God's word of, of, of what God does, how he works, what, what he does for his people. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I'm going to meditate on all your work. I'm going to talk of your deeds. Your way, O oh God, it's in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You see how the person is, is stepping, not necessarily stepping away from his troubles, but he's putting his troubles in perspective to the greatness of God and, and this incredible being that, that, as we talked about a couple of Sabbaths ago, God, God's got this. He's got all of this that's going on. He, he knows his plan. He knows his, his intents for us uh, to, to bring us into his family for eternity. Uh, we know that, that his plan will not fail. I'll meditate on all your work. I'll talk on your deeds. Your way is in, in the sanctuary, as we read. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You've declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people. God with his arm has reached out and redeemed each of us to him. The sons of Jacob and Joseph as, he's, uh, as we are spiritually the sons of, of Jacob and Joseph. Verse 16, the waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea. Your path in the great waters and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And when I read that verse 20, I read it in this way. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron as you will lead me as part of your flock. You you will lead me. I trust in you. You will guide me. I put my life in your hands. God God is the great encourager. God desires and provides us with many many opportunities in his word to be encouraged. And to encourage. I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I, I, think, I think most, if, if not all of us, have experienced that and do experience that and hold on to that with our lives uh, that God gives us that. There is no one who can encourage us like God. Let's go to Ephesians 6. I want to talk a little bit about this, this subject of encouraging and, and being encouraged today. I want to talk on, on several levels. Let's first talk a little bit about the role of parents in encouraging their children. How, how, do, how do we as parents encourage, uh, which would entail exhorting, uh, here's what's coming ahead, you can do it, uh, comforting, uh, encourage them, heartening them uh, after the fact as they go through things during uh, various situations. What, what, what is our role as parents and, and how, how can, we, can we do that? Let's first look at Ephesians 6, a uh, parenting passage. Uh, Ephesians 6 verse 1, familiar to most of us, uh, that, that brings out some, some interesting points here with respect to this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. 
Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. Verse 3, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And then he says here in verse 4, found also in Colossians 3 and some other places, I think uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, I think, discusses this a little bit too. But uh, but anyway, and, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Fathers, parents, uh, mothers and fathers, we can uh, be in danger of provoking our children to wrath. Uh, he says, don't, don't do that. Rather, but bring them up in the, in the training and admonition of, of the Lord. The, the, uh, the, the nurturing, the uh, putting in them the, the mind uh, of, of the Lord, the, the way of that life uh, and, and what that looks like. One of the key ways we do that is with uh, encouragement. We've been covering uh, that in the Growing Kids God's Way series. I want to talk about a passage uh, from that book. Uh, It's in chapter 10 on page uh, 138. Bear with me a little bit as we we read this. But uh, for our parents out there, something that I I think many of us uh, do, and and there are many here in this congregation that are very, very effective uh, in this. But uh, if, if you are, great. Uh, hopefully this will be uh, an encouragement uh, to you that God has, God has helped in this regard. And, and if it's something that we need to think, think about, if we, if we don't do that as much, uh, maybe this will uh, spur us on to uh, some good works in this regard. Uh, this is uh, in talking about encouragement. Uh, the Ezos uh, write, true encouragement, true encouragement motivates right behavior. Each of us enjoys receiving a pat on the back or hearing, well done, from someone of influence. We find appreciation in in hearing how our actions pleased or helped another. Our Our children are no different. They are encouraged when justified praise comes their way. Unfortunately, this is an area which many parents fail, particularly uh, in which many parents fail, particularly during the early years. During that time, uh, sometimes parents can be so preoccupied with getting things under control by continually correcting their children that they forget to encourage them. And of course, we all know from personal experience that the absence of encouragement is discouragement. He talks about pre-activity encouragement. Preactivity encouragement comes verbally before a required behavior is expected. This is accomplished through the use of verbal reminders, dialogue questions, and positive words. Let's talk about some of these preactivity encouragements. So we're getting ready to do something. Our family's getting ready to do something. The child is getting ready to, to go to an activity. How can we encourage our children, uh, you know, uh, inspire them with courage, to, to behave appropriately and to think appropriately prior to the activity. That's what we're discussing here. One way is through verbal reminders. Uh, parents uh, should encourage right behavior with ver- verbal reminders such as, Ryan, uh, Mrs. Brown is coming over for lunch today. Be sure to say hello to her when she comes in. That would be very respectful to do that. Or, Steve, uh, remember now there, there is to be no running when we meet here at services. Uh, this is, the, this is you know, in a sense, I would add here, this is the Sabbath. This is where we're, we're coming before God in a holy convocation. We're worshiping God. We have uh, elderly people here. If we were running, we could, we could run into someone and, 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 and knock that person over, and it could injure someone. We want to make sure that we respect others by doing that. That's, 
that's a, an encouraging reminder of what the activity is, 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 is about to happen. And then there are also we can encourage them with dialogue questions. Parents can also accomplish pre-activity encouragement through dialogue questions. With verbal reminders, you tell the child what is required. With the dialogue method, the, child's, the child tells you what is expected. The method is primarily, but not exclusively, used with children under five years of age. Driving to the grocery store, a mother may ask, who can tell me the rules for the store? Okay, we're getting ready to go into the grocery store. Who, who can tell me? Uh, and, and most of you have, uh, what, uh, at one time, maybe, what, six or seven children under the age of five, so you, you have a big, big little uh, discussion here. No, it could be one or two, but who can tell me the rules for the store? A child might respond, no running, no touching the displays, and we have to stay by your side. Mom responds with encouraging words of praise for the correct answers. Young children are more apt to take ownership of their behavior when they hear themselves verbalize the rules of conduct and receive praise for the right answers. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's very effective, very effective in that. And then the last area in terms of pre-activity encouragement are positive words. He says uh, in an in earlier part of the book, we, we talked about the fact that parents tend to spend more time and energy suppressing wayward behavior in their children than elevating good behavior. We can spend more time restraining wrong than advancing right. While words of restraint are necessary throughout the training process, we must uh, retrain ourselves to communicate the positive. This will take self-discipline, but but the efforts will pay great dividends. When communicating with your children, attempt to speak as often as possible in the positive, not the negative. If there's something you don't want your child to do, then communicate your desire for restraint by speaking in favor of what you want done. Here are a few examples to help you get started. Instead of saying, don't spill your cereal on your way to the table, Consider saying, see how carefully you can carry your cereal to the table. Instead of saying, don't get out of bed, uh, consider, obey mommy and stay in bed. Instead of saying, don't talk so much, uh, consider, you need to learn to become a better listener. Instead of saying, don't leave a mess for everyone to, to clean up, consider, be responsible and clean up after yourself. With young children, there will be plenty of justifiable don'ts. Don't touch the knives. Don't play with the stereo. Don't hit the dog. You know, we have have the don'ts that we, we need to say. Such prohibitions are appropriate with young children. But as they mature, they need positive direction. Consider the transfer from negative to positive speech a good habit to get into. Proverbs 26, 24 speaks of the care we should take in selecting positive words. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and healthy to the bones. The same thing uh, is true in post-activity encouragement. After the, uh, the, uh, after the, the activity uh, has, has taken place, you know, one of those uh, could be with respect to uh, affirmation. In healthy relationships, verbal affirmation is never redundant. If we're not verbalizing our encouragement, what message are we sending? Verbally encourage your kids in the little things and the big. It, it's easier to catch their big efforts, but many times it's the daily stuff that makes or breaks relationships. Sometimes a simple thank you can go a long way. Another way to verbally encourage a child is to say, I, I need your help. 
instead of, I want it, or, or do this. The humility it takes for help by expressing sincere needs elevates the other person. If you're just getting started on the encouragement side of your relationship, be careful not to qualify your encouragement. Don't say, thanks for doing the dishes tonight. Miracles never cease to happen. Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't say it that way. Or, you prepared a great meal. Uh, too bad it's burnt. Uh, such qualified encouragement is not encouragement at all. Encourage with touch by simply placing a hand on the son's or daughter's shoulder and, and saying great game or great job or thank you. Verbal affirmation combined with physical touch is an unbeatable combination, and it is highly effective with children of all ages even with spouses. A lot, a lot said there. The little things uh, that, that demonstrate an environment of appreciation and also encouraging others, especially our little ones, encouraging them prior to the activity, coming in afterwards with encouraging them, them after. Kids that are in that kind of environment tend to thrive. Kids that are not some handle it pretty well, depending on their temperament. Some don't. Some don't. Uh, so very, very critical for us as, as parents. Uh, it's a way to which we can encourage and, and not uh, provoke. Anyway, I just wanted to offer uh, some of those thoughts, as, as those are, those are uh, things to consider for us in parenting. One of the things that I think we, for which we need to be careful uh, always, though, in parenting and in, in all situations is, is, is to recognize the difference between godly encouragement and flattery. Uh, flattery uh, has, you know, of course, godly encouragement is dealing with speaking the truth and doing that in love, uh, according to 1 Corinthians 13 and all the principles of that, uh, inspiring with courage for another's benefit and, and doing it completely truthfully. Flattery gets in to where we know this, uh, this stroking this person with these words will, will make that person feel uh, better about him or, him or her, uh, but, but at the same time, we're not necessarily being truthful in the way that we're building them up. Or we could be building them up because then they will think highly of us and, and we are ingratiating ourselves to that person. All that kind of junk really gets troubling. Uh, and we've, we've got to always, as God's people, really steer away from that. Ingratiating, being duplicitous, being disingenuous, gaining favor for our own benefit. Let's, let's, uh, let's look at a passage in Deuteronomy 1. Get now into the, the, the meat of encouraging and being encouraged. I, uh, I would like us to turn to Deuteronomy 1. As we begin to address the the question of when does, God insp- when does God expect us to inspire others with, with courage? Do we note the times, and, and when does he expect that of us, and when does he not? I, I found this passage here the last uh, couple of weeks really interesting. It's not an unfamiliar passage, but uh, I discovered it because I was encouraged to do something that I had never done. And that encouragement was given by uh, Mr. Nick Slaughter at the feast in New Braunfels. Those of you that were at the feast in New Braunfels, do you know whereof I speak, of what, of what he encouraged us to do? He, he, he talked about uh, preparing to be king's priests, serving 
and he cited that passage where it said that the king should write the law. And uh, some, some debate whether it's the entire Torah, Genesis through Deuteronomy, or just Deuteronomy. So Nick, Nick said, uh, I began, doing, began writing Deuteronomy. He said, by the, end of, I wanted, by the time I gave this sermonette, I wanted to have it done. But he said, I'm not quite done. I'm really close, but I'm not quite done. And then he provided these composition books. I don't know, he must have had 100, 150 uh, composition books that he bought for, for brethren to pick up and to take the law and write the law out by hand, at least write uh, Deuteronomy. I was slow on the uptake and didn't get my free composition book, so I had to use my own notebook. But anyway, I've started on that process. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting process. I've, I've finished two chapters uh, writing by hand. I try to take a little bit of time each day, uh, and it really forces us to slow down. But he encouraged me to do that. So, uh, but in doing so, I, I saw this, this passage that I, I found interesting, uh, and I, I found inspiring on, on how God works, and how God works with, with men and women and what God expects of us with respect to encouragement. Let's go to Deuteronomy 1, verse 23. So Moses is reciting to them uh, the history of, of what's happened, you know, going back the, the, the past 40 years, well, even, even a little bit before that, in terms of, uh, of God's work in, in miracles in, in helping them exit Egypt. But he says here in Deuteronomy 1, verse 23, Deuteronomy 1, verse 23, he's now into the discussion of when they they had the spies go out to to the land. He's reviewing that with them, and and the spies came back and gave their their report, or this was the the plan to go out and do this, and to, to take a look at the land. Verse 23, so the plan pleased me well, so I took 12 of your men, one man from each tribe, and they, de- they departed and went up into the mountains and came to the valley of Eshcol and spied it out. At verse 25, they also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us, and they brought back word to us saying, it is a good land which the eternal our God is giving us. At verse 26, nevertheless, you would not go up, but you rebelled against the command of the eternal, your God, and you complained in your tents and said, because the eternal hates us, he's brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our, our brethren have discouraged our hearts. They, our, our brethren have, have melted our hearts in that respect. They, they've discouraged our hearts, saying the people are greater uh, and, and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we've seen the sons of the Anakim there. Yeah, keep your finger there. We'll uh, come back to that. Let's just look really quickly here in Numbers 13. Numbers 13, verse 27. Numbers 
Numbers 13, 27. Then they told him and said, we, we went to the land where you, you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell there are strong. The cities are fortified with the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks by the, of the Jordan. Then, then Caleb quieted the people. He, he tried to settle them before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once. Let's take possession. This is exhortation here. Uh, this is the future. We can do it. God, God is with us. Let's, he is encouraging the people in going forward. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Numbers 14, verse 7. Numbers 14, verse 7. So they spoke to all the, con- uh, the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. This is uh, Joshua uh, saying this as they're tearing their clothes, and Moses and Aaron are there. They're saying, it, it is a good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he'll bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the eternal Don't fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. They shall be as food for our consumption. God God has blessed us in this. He's promised us we're, we're going to take this land. Their protection has departed from them, and the eternal is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. And then, of course, the glory of the eternal appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. And we we know what happened. Proper encouragement does not always yield a positive outcome, does it? Because individuals still have the ability to choose. But they strove, uh, Aaron, Moses, Joshua, Caleb, they all strove to to encourage them, to exhort them to go forward. Let's go back now to Deuteronomy. Let's go back to Deuteronomy and read verse 28. Uh, Deuteronomy verse, verse 20, uh, 1, verse 28. We'll read that again and move forward. So our brethren have, have, have discouraged our hearts, saying that they're here. Verse 29, then I said to them, I said, do not be afraid. Don't be terrified of them. The the eternal, our God, who goes before you, he'll fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Remember what he did in Egypt? Think of, think of all of those, those factors. And in the wilderness where you saw how the, the eternal, your God, carried you as a man carries his son. He brought us all the way that, that you went until you came to this place. Yet for all that, you did not believe the, the eternal, your God. The one who went in the way before you to search out a place for you, to pitch your tents, to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and the cloud by day. And, that, and that's what I'm getting back to the Psalm 77. The Psalm 77 person in in the middle of that horrible trial that he, he was facing, he stepped back and he saw who this God was, who this God was that had done all of this for him and took great strength for that, and his outlook changed. The, the, the lack of belief or the so caught up in the, in the trial and the test of that time that these individuals were, were experiencing it kept them from relying and trusting on, on God and kept them from, it made them refuse to be encouraged, to refuse to be exhorted, refuse to be comforted that God would be with them. 
Look at uh, verse 34. And the eternal heard the sound of your words and was angry. He took an oath saying, surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that good land, which I swore to give to your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, uh, who shall see it. And, and said, and, and to him and his children, I am giving the land on which he walked because he wholly followed the eternal. Now, here is the, the statement that I had not thought about uh, until I was writing this out by hand. And I, and I think about this, this passage that we're about to read. And you, th- you think about Moses, this man that had followed God wholly as, as Caleb and, and Joshua had and had given his life for these people, had given his life to serve them. And he had that moment. He had that moment of, of frustration to where he acted out of, out of anger and said something and, and did something that uh, he very much regretted. But notice, notice how, how God works with Moses in this regard. Verse seven, 37, he says, The Eternal was also angry with me for your sakes, uh, saying, Even you shall not go in there. So he told him, as, as we know what he did uh, with the rock, he was supposed to, supposed to speak to the rock, but he, he said uh, some things, must I do this for you, and then struck the rock when he was supposed to speak to it. Uh, and God, God honored that and, and still caused the miracle, but uh, it cost Moses the ability to actually go in to the land of Canaan. So he says here in verse 38, therefore, uh, he says, not therefore, but Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. Notice what it says next. Encourage him, Moses. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. I, I think about that passage, and I think, you know, of, of all the people, you hear Moses is, is dealing with the... the I, I, try to, I try to even verbalize what that would be like for Moses, who every, everything that he had done in preparation for this, and in God... Uh, giving him those those forty years of being out there uh, in the in the wilderness uh, as as he after the time that he had uh, immediately uh, struck that Egyptian uh, and and then fled and all that preparation time and then coming back and going through all of this and, and serving God as faithfully as he has and now he's not going to be able to go into the land of Canaan but God says you encourage Joshua. I think that's powerful, powerful for all of us as God's people, as we make mistakes in life, as we strive to serve God fully. And we see sometimes the consequences of our actions and the way those consequences have played out in our lives. But we see that God is with us. And Moses knew God was with him. As we've talked before, Moses took, God took Moses up to a place, a miraculous way, that Moses could see all of that land and, and, and get a, a vision of that before he died. And, and God took Moses and, and buried him. You know, it's wonderful, wonderful blessing to, to be in the hands of God and to also see what this, what this inheritance would be. Also, to give him the understanding as a prophet of what is to happen as we see him as one of the Hebrews 11 people who understands the, 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 uh, 
the eternal nature of, of what he would be entering as, uh, as we look into Revelation 21. So, so he still puts that on him to encourage, and Moses did. We know the be strong and of a good courage. Uh, he encouraged uh, Joshua as Joshua was going forward. Another element, it's just another element that speaks to this, this incredible individual who was uh, one of the meekest, if not the meekest men uh, in the earth. Anyway, I, I found that interesting. Let's go to Second Timothy 2. Like Moses and Joshua, the next generation. I think, let's think about this passage. I know we typically, as we view this passage, we, we think, and rightly so, of, of the importance of training and, and teaching the, the next generation to continue to teach God's way of life, his, his words, his doctrines, his truths, his principles, uh, what, what this way of life pictures for God's people, that the the urgency with which we must do that, the, the priority that we place on doing that, and it's, it's, it's really a blessing to be a part of, of a group of people that, that sees the need for this, that it's not all about us and about our generation now. It's about continuing to prepare the next generation that the gates of the grave does not uh, prevail against. Second Timothy uh, too, but think about this also from the encouragement standpoint. Paul says, I've, I'm, I'm about ready to, to wrap this up here, as we see in chapter 4. I'm being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is, is at hand. Paul is focused on exhorting. He's focused on encouraging Timothy about what Timothy can do. Do this, Timothy. This is important. You can do it with God's help. Uh, This is what God has set in place. Verse 1 of chapter 2, you therefore, Timothy, my son, Uh, it's almost like we we read in the growing kids God's way of the person who comes up and and pats him on on the back, the proverbial, hey, my son, I I value you. I see what you've done. I I see the the growth that you've had as God's work with you through through your grandmother and, and your mother. And here you are, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, not in your own strength, but but in the grace that that Jesus Christ, uh, that is in Christ Jesus, that that grace, that that divine favor, that connection, that placement that we have in God's God's love in our lives. Be strong in that. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. Pass this on. You can do it, Timothy. Uh, who will be able to teach others. And remember this, Timothy, as in a prospective, exhortive way, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. It's good. It's good to endure that hardship. That's part of our growth. That's part of, of what going forward is. Be strong in this grace. Endure the hardship. Commit this this truth, this way of life to the next generation so that they can teach, so that there's no drifting. How soon, I marvel at how soon you're, you're pulled away into this, as Paul says with, to the Galatians. Uh, these, these challenging times are ahead for us. We've got to, we've got to think about that uh, as, as we see this generation of, 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 our, of our ministry that has served God so faithfully and continues to do that. They know their time is coming. They know they're not going to be around forever. They want to see Jesus Christ return as, as eagerly as all of us do. But they've got a responsibility to teach us who needs to teach the next generation, who will need to teach the next generation, however long God wants uh, to keep this going before uh, he uh, unleashes the events that lead to the return of Christ. 
Christ, but it, it's, it's an encouragement uh, uh, going forward that, that we feel in the ministry. We're, we're thankful for that. We're striving to pass that along. And in that, uh, we as God's people feel encouraged. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 1. I'd like us to reflect on a, a key area for you and me that, that enables us to be able to encourage others. And the lack of it really, uh, really, uh, I wouldn't say denigrates, what's the word, but it really uh, limits our ability to encourage others. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, we'll read this passage. I I think Dr. Levy may have covered this in his Bible study message, this recorded Bible study message that we listened to this feast on on comfort. Wonderful message. Very, I hope that gets uh, sent out for folks. Uh, It's really important, I think, for all of us now and and as we go forward in the future. But 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, this key area is, is what enables us as God's people to be able to encourage others. Now, the term here is comfort uh, and consolation. We see those, those terms used here through the, uh, through the thlipsis, the, the pressure and affliction, the, the trials that, that come upon us. But it's, it's this process that, uh, and, and I, I look in my life, those who have encouraged me, and generally, uh, I, I would say almost I, without fail, this principle has been in place in those individuals' lives to the, in the way in which it impacted me uh, to in, encourage and hearten and comfort me. Let's look here. Second uh, Corinthians 1, verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, the God who comes in there and, and comforts us. He, he consoles us. He gives us solace. He and, and through that, we are heartened and encouraged to be able to carry on. Who comforts us in all our tribulation and all of the, the pressures that we face, the, the stresses, the affliction. He does this, and he does this for a reason. He does this so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That is a key area. Do we recognize the degree and have we experienced, the, the, have we recognized it, experienced it, and, and thanked God for the comfort that he's given us? Because through that, we are able to, to comfort others. When, when we don't experience or, or we don't recognize the degree to which we have been comforted by God, it greatly limits our ability to be able to help others and, and, and strengthen the body of Christ in the way that God wants, wants it to be done. Think about that process, uh, and in doing so, uh, let's, let's, let's continue. So he says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our, our comfort, our, our consolation, our, our comfort also abounds through Christ. Now, if we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we're comforted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the comfort 
I mean, that, that, that is a passage to just really chew on, uh, especially as we're in, in the throes of, of the challenges that we face. I've, I've seen folks who are going through some of the worst challenges and the most difficult challenges of their lives be some of the greatest uh, comforters uh, as, as, as they've been in the midst of, of what they're experiencing or, or coming out of that. Verse 8, For we don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. We were burdened above strength so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through the many. How can we comfort and encourage others if we cannot ourselves recognize the degree to which we've been comforted and encouraged by God? How can we comfort and encourage others if we don't fully believe and live, verses 8 through 9, that we realize that he's delivered us from so great a death, he's, he's delivered us from eternal death, and he does deliver us. We trust in him, and we know that he will deliver us. It's hard to comfort others unless we ourselves recognize the degree to which he's comforted us. Let's go to Genesis 45. Are we able to comfort and encourage? Do we see how God has comforted and encouraged us? I can't think about something like that without going to the story of, of, of Joseph very emotional story, trying to put myself in his shoes, trying to put myself in the, in the shoes of, of, of his brothers as all of this is happening. And Joseph, looking back at his life, and he could say, these years were wasted. These, these years were taken from me uh, and, and gone into a state of bitterness and uh, yet Joseph did not. Was he in, in, the, in the throes of discouragement at different times? I, I, I don't know how he could not have been. But he continued to stay faithful. He continued to follow God. And, and he it was able to come out of that with the mindset to where he wasn't seeking retribution. He wasn't seeking revenge. He looked to encourage and comfort because he had recognized God's encouragement and comfort. Chapter 45, verse 9, breaking into it here, you know, Joseph had not yet revealed himself and uh, got the whole uh, Judah trying to intercede for Benjamin and all all that happened, but we'll just go here to to verse 1. Genesis 45, verse 1, then Joseph couldn't restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Joseph then wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Verse 3, Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. I'm Joseph. Does my father live? His brothers couldn't even answer him because they were so dismayed. They were so discouraged in his presence. All of a sudden, it's hitting them. This, This is the one whom we threw in the pit 
This is the one that some wanted to kill, uh, and, and all, all that had happened with that. Joseph said to his brothers, he said, come here, please come near to me. He said, I'm Joseph, I'm your brother whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or, or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me here. God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph was able to see God's hand that all things work together for good to those who are the called and, and according to God's purpose. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, verse 6, and, and there, are, there are still five years in which there will be uh, neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me, he did it, he sent me before you to preserve a posterity, a remnant, for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. I see that. I, I get that. I understand that. And I see God's loving hand in, in working this, this all out. So it, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry, go, go to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Get, get out of here. Go, go. Do not tarry. Bring him, bring him back. So he's, he's just very happy. And, and it all works out well. But then we come to Genesis 50. Let's go to Genesis 50, verse 15. And, and, and Jacob, uh, father, Jacob finally dies. And what, what's in those brothers' minds? Well, you know, yes, he said that, but now that Jacob's dead, uh, what's going to become of us? Will we really get what's coming to us, what we really deserve? And it speaks, again, to the, to the heart of a, of a very giving man, a man who understood the encouragement of God and how to extend that encouragement to others. Genesis 50, verse 15 when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, well, perhaps, perhaps Joseph's going to hate us and, and may actually repay pay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died. Now, remember, he said this. Uh, so thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin. For they did evil to you. They recognized that. Please forgive the trespass of the servants of, of, of the God of your father. Uh, and when, jo when Joseph heard that, he wept. He wept. How, how could they think this uh, about me when he sees God's hand in it? Then his brothers uh, also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Yes, for me, you meant harm, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I'll provide for you. I'll provide for your little ones. And I, ju I just love this verse here in verse 21. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I, I can just imagine him bringing them all in. Hey, it it's okay. Can we do that? Sometimes, you know, it's difficult to know what to say, what to do for someone who is suffering. When we're willing to listen and let the person talk it through, you know, that alone is huge. Pauses are okay in those situations when people are suffering to, to acknowledge their hurt and their pain and their suffering, to sympathize, to be careful not to say, I understand, because do we truly understand? Sometimes uh, we, we, can, we, can, we can see an element that we've experienced uh, to, to maybe help, but 
Their suffering is their suffering. Be careful about quantifying their suffering. Well, at least this didn't happen. Uh, We're allowing them to feel guilty about talking about their suffering. I, I shouldn't even be saying this because I know such and such is going through this, and that's way worse than what I'm dealing with. Uh, their suffering is, is their suffering, and, and our job is to comfort and encourage them. Sometimes, especially when there's been a wrongdoing by someone that has caused a person emotional pain, through false accusations, betrayal, the individual begins spiraling downward, sometimes in discouragement, despair. Why, why didn't God fix this? How, how could God have allowed this to happen? I try to encourage them with First uh, Peter two. You know, sometimes, you know, as we recognize, you know, when we really start to get hit for something that we didn't we didn't cause, it helps us understand this this being we serve, Jesus Christ, who deserved nothing that he got. I try to encourage them with the the truth of God's word. Sin causes pain. People sin, and it hurts us. It's very painful. It speaks to the truths of God. It, it causes us to even, in a greater way, seek the kingdom of God, knowing that, that, that truth and right living will, will, will create an environment uh, that, that, that brings forth blessings. Sin causes pain and suffering. It, so, it causes pain and suffering for the perpetrator and, and the, pers- the person who is perpetrated. The perspectives that we gain through it, the, the godly virtues that we learn through that. We have something done to us that was awful uh, to us, and we can pull back and, and, and from experiencing the, the, the horrible experience of whatever that pain or, or suffering was that someone did to us, we can, we can come back and say, yes, that, that even in a greater way affirms these godly virtues, these ways are right. These ways are of Satan. I yearn for the time when these ways that cause suffering will be gone. It gives us, it gives us clarity. It gives us clarity of, of God's way of life. As we begin to wrap this up, I'd like to circle back to the comforting and, and encouraging others because of how we've been comforted and encouraged by God concept. Uh, through discussing what I've witnessed within the body of Christ. You know, there are many examples uh, that we could discuss uh, with many individuals that have displayed both the ability to uh, do these two areas that I want to talk about, but I'd like to talk about these. And and, uh, I don't know that this will end up uh, getting sent out because we're going to say some names. There, there are some people in our congregations that have been on prayer request lists, so I don't, I don't have a problem uh, stating their names. But there are, there are people in, in the church that encourage with words. I want to read a letter from Mrs. Cherry Hunter. I don't know how many of you know Mrs. Cherry Hunter. She was a school teacher for years. She was in Church of God's Seventh Day, grew up in that, and, and attends with us in the Sherman congregation. Uh, she came uh, in, into the in Worldwide Church of God uh, years later and, and then now attends with us. She is basically a shut-in because of health uh, situations, but uh, in, in my opinion, uh, she's, uh, she's a daughter of encouragement. Uh, She's been through some, some tough things in her life, but uh, she's going to mention some names here. She's one who received the uh, feast basket this year. 
She writes this, Dear Cogwa youth, so some of you youth here, you youths, uh, some of you youths, uh, some of you youth were, uh, were involved in putting together uh, the feast baskets. This is a note of thanks to you and the boys and girls in Sabbath school classes. The Bible speaks of different kinds of service in the church, but the same Lord. Two of the different kinds of services are, are giving and encouragement. When I see or think of Cogwa's young, I receive much comfort. Your smiles and nice conversations make me feel appreciated. The Averett young men uh, are good examples. Also, my neighbors, the Joneses, uh, keep in touch with me along with others. The same goes for the gift of giving. Thank you for delivering my feast basket. Included in the basket was a gift card. Uh, uh, I used it to purchase uh, some items. She goes through that. Your service of giving was much more than a financial contribution. As important as, as that is, you shared the gift of yourself to edify the body of Christ. Thank you, Esteban. Esteban's here in this. He just looked up at me. I seen back there. She says, thank you, Esteban, for making a card saying happy feast. Also, thank you, first and second grade classes of Cogwa uh, in Dallas. I love the stickers of monkeys and flowers and stars and hearts and pandas and smiley faces. To close this thank you note, I, have you, I, I hope you have opportunities to grow to wrestle with choices, and to make a few mistakes. This is how we change and learn and become of sound mind. Be sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.6. Love and hugs are sent your way. Thank you again for your giving and encouragement services in the church. Thank you for your feast basket and many thoughtful cards. Miss Cherry. There's a lady that is dying in the Pacific Northwest. Her name is Joe Briley. Joe has a heart condition, and uh, there's nothing they can do. She's, she's been listed as, as, a, as an individual uh, for whom to pray. Uh, she is an incredible lady of encouragement. I cannot tell you the times I've talked with her on the phone, and she has inspired me with her thoughts and her her depth of understanding. She's very open about her life, the challenges she's faced, how God has blessed her and guided her and helped her through it. And, and, and just to encourage all of us, um, in, in, incredible woman. I think of Mr. John Kylo uh, and the time I spent with him as he moved here to the area. The openness of that man, the, the, just the ability to say, this is where I was stupid, I shouldn't have done this, I did this, I was, I was bullheaded on this and, and did this, but God was merciful to me and he helped me and I've learned these lessons. And, and uh, I, I just, you know, I, I, you know, the insights that that man provided, the, the, the understanding of what is truly important, of, of what, of the vision of the future that he had as he was dying, uh, and the encouragement that he gave with his words, uh, I, I just, I, I just, I can't express, I can't express the degree to which uh, that encouraged me. And then there are these individuals that are giving us encouragement by the example of their lives. Bernard and Linda Ongerlute uh, got a chance to visit with them this week, and and just to see the connection that they have as a family, uh, the the way that. Their family is is there to support each other. Uh, A man who has served God faithfully down through the years 
and is, is serving God until he breathes his last breath. It's very, very inspiring, very inspiring. As, as, as we talk, the things that are on his mind, he goes, he goes forward with no regrets, knowing what is, is, the, is ahead for him in the future. Does he, does he lament the fact that he's not going to be able to spend the kind of time with his family that he would have liked to have done? Uh, absolutely. But does he regret his life? Does he see his life as being perfect? No. His, his, his mistakes, uh, he recognizes, he sees them, he acknowledges them, and he sees yet God has guided and directed him through that, and he's thankful for all that he's given. He's, he's thankful that he, he has a family that rallies around and loves him and that he can rally around and love. And the family is thankful for that. John and Gloria Lusk. Talk with Gloria this past week as, as she is dealing with pneumonia and, and the, the battle that she's facing. You think, you think about the Lusks, brethren. You, you guys know the Lusks. You know the degree to which John and Gloria have served God's people. Incredible encouragers uh, to this congregation. And here John is now in and, and his ability to, to keep his thoughts together and Gloria that wants to be there with her husband and can't because she's in the hospital and and in concerns that Gloria has about just you know am I am I faltering because I'm not able to be here at services am I faltering because I'm not going I'm not able to be there with John and to talk with that woman and to tell her Gloria you do not even begin to realize the example of encouragement that you give us this is just, it's, it's, it's a beautiful light that, that she provides for God's people. And, uh, you know, it, it's, not, it's not what we say as much as it is the, the example that, that God's people set. And it is a beautiful thing. We are comforted and we are exhorted by their examples. It's, it is a blessing to have the kinds of people that we have. And I could put many here in that, in, that, in, in that same description. Let's turn finally to Daniel 12. I think of, I think of these individuals, and I think I want, I want to be that kind of person. I want to be that kind of person that sees the comfort that God has given me and that I can encourage others by my example and encourage others with my words. I know one day God will make me perfect, and I will be able to do that perfectly with all of mankind. I know I'm not there, and, and none of us is there, but we're working towards it. And again, the degree to which we recognize we have been comforted by God, we can comfort others. Finally, uh, an incredible word of encouragement that God gives here in Daniel 12. Here Daniel is, has seen all of these things and... and uh, and God makes this statement to, to, to Daniel to give him peace of mind uh, as, as he goes forward. But he talks about uh, all the things that are going to be happening, about the people being delivered. Verse 2, many of those who sleep in the dust shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting content. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. I submit to you that many, many of God's people shine uh, these lights that are on a hill. And 
boy, we should be thankful for them. I know I, I strive to be thankful for these incredible encouragers that we have that are shining now. I just can only imagine how these folks are going to shine like the brightness of the firmament when God changes them to spirit beings and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Daniel... Daniel didn't, you know, he didn't understand all that was being said, and he said, okay, at the end, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Uh, And then he makes this statement in verse 13, but you, Daniel, go your way till the end, for you shall rest. This, this, is an encourage, this was an encouragement for Moses. This is an encouragement for Daniel. This is an encouragement for those who are battling the battles that they're facing now and, and see the encouragement that their great God who loves them and, and, and cares for them in, in whom this individual, this being is, that they can put their trust, they can put their lives in his hands knowing what rest awaits them in the future. Go your way till the end, Daniel, for you shall rest and you will arise to your inheritance at the end of the day. Pretty encouraging words.